crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. This is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 045, the monthly podcast of gamers talking tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony DeRossi, and with me this episode is designer and founder of the gaming merch store, Item Get, Louis Sanders. Lou, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me, Anthony. And might I add, thank you for finally joining me. <laughs> <laughs> it's... So I did not put out an episode last month. Uh, It's currently July, middle of July. I did not put out an episode in June because June was a really intense month for, like, everyone. Of course. There There was a lot going on, and I felt like my voice is not the one that needs to be heard right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's still going on. Things are have died down a little bit, but for the month of June, I just thought, you know, okay. everything that's going on, and I just went back to work. Like, I'm finally, I'm telecommuting for the most part, but my paid family leave has ended. I'm I'm back at the office a couple of days a week, so I'm reacclimating to that, and just everything else. It's like, I need to breathe, get myself back together. The world needs to figure some stuff out. So I just thought might be a good time to just breathe a bit. Uh, how you've been handling things? Um, things have been, yeah, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. It's been quite hectic. Um, a lot is going on. A lot that I have um, personally just not have been silent about. And I've been quite vocal on many different social platforms. Um, and also just in the community um, as well, just it's there's just so much that you can't that I can't just be quiet about. So yeah, it's been it's been quite quite a lot that's going on, and um, I've also recently just moved, so I'm dealing dealing with that. You know, um, I just actually leased a car or purchased a car today, so I am so so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like uh, uh, my my boyfriend was with me, and he was like really happy about it, and I'm just like. I'm not really like showing a lot of joy just because I'm like, well, you don't have to make the payments. So <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's exciting. Like my wife and I, thankfully we are fortunate enough to be both gainfully employed. So we can afford like, a, I mean, what I would consider a really nice car. Like we're not driving any luxury brands or anything, but just the fact that we were able to have such a large, down payment on the car and be able to get something that we both really, really liked as our new family car. Like it's great. It's not as much <laughs> per no. month as I was expecting, but it's still, it, it's a payment. It's an extra few hundred dollars every month. So no Tesla. No, <laughs> no, no Tesla. Uh, that. I heard you <sighs> can play games in a Tesla. Really? Yeah. 
This is what I I've heard. I don't know. I, I, okay. I have not tested it myself, but this is what I've heard. I feel ashamed for myself for not even knowing about that. Mm. So I'm going to have to look into it. I'll get back to everyone and see if we can <laughs> get that going. I wouldn't be surprised, but I need to verify. Yeah. So oh, I'm stretching a little bit just because I'm like, I don't know how deep I want to get into it. But I mean, Black Lives Matters protests still going on. Been yeah. going on for a while. Still going on. Still, I'm still you know, personally supporting them. Uh, we just had Pride Month, which I mean, on like, I feel so awkward discussing certain social issues, and I just need to get this out. So bear with me for a second. Yeah, yeah. Because I am like the face of oppression, and I have to acknowledge that I am a hetero cisgendered white male like i am the face of the oppressor and i want to help i want to discuss these things but in some ways i feel that my perspective is invalid because i have never really experienced any form of oppression you know what i mean like i have never really truly been discriminated against and it's like, I want to help. Is my voice even valid? I would like to say that I I don't think it's a case where you're the face and voice of oppression, but you're the face and voice of a privilege, and that you can actually use that privilege to be a voice for those that don't have that opportunity and don't have that box to stand on for people to actually listen to. You have that ability and that privilege to be able to speak out, and you can help those that don't have a voice. So I think if you look at it in that sort of spin, in that sort of light, I think that's a great way to, to do it. Because if you're if you're silent, then that's just as bad as being um, uh, like you know oppressive. If that makes any sense. Right, because you're not doing anything to change the situation. Exactly. Okay. So I think as yeah as a um, as a white male, you could totally. As a white, cisgendered, straight male, you could definitely still be a voice for those that don't have a voice or their voice is not being um, highlighted, not okay. being heard. All right. I'm going to try to get into that mindset. We love, we love our allies. We love our allies. So thank and you. I do what I can. I yeah. really do what I can. I feel like I can it. do more, but okay. So let's get on to some happier topics now that we got – Past that a little bit. Uh, I do not mean to take away from the voices and messages that are being, you know, spoken and need to be heard right now. But we all need a little bit of a distraction. We right. we need a little bit of normalcy. So let's. We got that out of the way. Let's get into some normalcy. Uh, I would ask you what have you been playing, but you recently moved, and this was. So yeah. you moved from? I moved from Brooklyn. I lived in the city for almost 12 years now, um, and I just needed a break. So I moved up to Troy. Um, you know, this is where I grew up when I was younger. You know, I have family here. I have friends here. And I wanted to get into more of the community in downtown Troy location, in Albany, you know, just to, you know, network a little bit more with uh, the local businesses, uh, with my um, side business. Um, so 
I was not expecting that answer. And we're going to dive into that right now. You actually moved out of Brooklyn and out of what the majority of us would just kind of blanket statement refer to as New York City. You moved out of New York City into Troy, New York in upstate yep. to increase your na- networking capabilities, your networking yeah. potential. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that it's because I wanted to be something more closer to a community rather than. Okay. Also, you just get really tired of taking the subway everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I I understand. I'm extremely limited in um, my uh, resources uh, in the city in that sort of aspect. Like you don't have as much freedoms to go where you want like i was like all right how much can i grab at the grocery store with you know just two bags because i know that's all i can carry you know i so yeah, I, it, I needed a break also you know the virus was a big thing too you know um yeah it got intense down yeah. in new york city yeah, it got intense yeah definitely it definitely did i definitely was one of those people that was like i was wiping down my groceries you know it was i was that level of uh paranoid i you know we were doing that in the beginning uh we got complacent and every once in a while i kind of my eye twitches a little bit I'm like maybe we should get back to that level just just to be sure well getting there now yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah being that it's well new york is doing good like new york as a state we're we're doing pretty good and my brother lives down in florida and they've had like the huge upswing. But in a brief conversation with him, uh, he kind of explained a few things, which actually makes sense. Which, and I hesitate to admit that my brother makes sense about anything, but that's just brotherly love. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, you know, high density, high population density. He said that they're doing a lot more testing and also there is a high concentration in Miami of, you know, people of advanced age living in like retirement communities, which let's be honest, that's very true. Right. It's the nation's retirement home. You know, it's got that cliche or that uh, stigma for a bit yeah. of a reason, but yeah, it's, this is a legitimate concern as well. So they're doing a lot more testing down there as well, which obviously would lead to more confirmed cases, which, Personally, I think it's a good thing to know if you have the virus or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everyone should be tested. Everyone should know their stats. Yeah. Have you uh, gotten tested? Have you gone through the whole nasal swipe? I have not yet, actually. I've been actually really good about quarantining myself. Like, I've been indoors for pretty much the most part of, of like, the summer and – since March, actually. Okay. Yeah, I feel all, the majority of my personal friend group, we've all just kind of closed the door and hid <laughs> as much as we possibly can. Yeah, no one that I've been close to or have interacted with has had any symptoms or anything like that for this entire time. So it's like, do you really need the test then? But I mean, I did say like we all should know our stats. So I am kind of um, a hypocrite in that right now. So I really <laughs> know, but. Well, you know, I actually voluntarily got tested earlier this week oh, as good. just like a precautionary thing. Yeah. And I ex- had to explain during a staff meeting, like, listen, guys, I'm going to get tested. Everyone relax. 
is precautionary because just like you, I've been very careful. I've been self-isolating as much as possible. I am showing no symptoms whatsoever. I have not been in contact with any, anyone at all, uh, you know, two weeks or beyond. It's just more of a, you know, I live in Albany. We actually have drive through testing. Let's just get this over with. Let's, Let's just get it done. And I did receive my results in a few days and I am negative for the virus. So fabulous, but it's just like, let's just get like the, the, the gavel confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, but to go back on your, on the, on the, on that one question, I had, I just recently downloaded a game that a friend of mine told me about, and it was something that, that pulled my nostalgia strings, my nostalgia strings <laughs> and sure, called, we'll go with that it's, I, think it's, I think it was released like a long time ago but it's called two point hospital and it's based on theme hospital which was like an old pc game i do not know this oh my god I, i'm obsessed with it. it's it's like a it's a tycoon sort of game except you're running a hospital and it's really cute you know it's really fun and it's an addictive and it's a reboot of a game from like the early 90s i remember playing it when i was much younger I would like come home from school and i I'd play that for hours and it, it's now on the switch. So, or it, it's been on the switch for, I don't know how long, but. Okay. So uh, I just did a quick little, you know what? I will, would be a good one. Heck, I'll just grab the link itself. So, you know, by the power of Google, <laughs> I just grabbing a quick link here. Yeah. Uh, I think 2018, Looks to be about the time it was released. IGN has a review of it uh, dated September 6, 2018. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's old. <laughs> yeah. New to me. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, oh, they have a new expansion out called Off the Grid. Oh, interesting. It's, and it is available on all platforms, all three consoles and Steam. So it's, so explain this to me. Let, let, let's get into that. What What is this all about? The two point hospital. Uh, yeah, true. Let's go. <laughs> so basically, yeah, basically, you're a hospital administrator, and you are challenged to open up um, these hospitals successfully, and you have to like create, you know, um, GPs' offices and psychiatries and and wards and pharmacies, and then you have to manage your staff of nurses and doctors and assistants and janitorial and you know. Uh, different challenges come along like you know oh we've discovered new diseases so you have to build new technology for this you know it's a lot of this like resourcing and strategy and um management time management and strategy management it's but it's really addictive and it's done really cute in a way like there's always this overhead um female announcer that says just like the weirdest things like (laughs) things like patients please please be mindful and do not die in the corridors. You know, it's, it's that sort of like cheeky, you know, mm-hmm. little thing, but it can get really um, crazy. You know, you'll get a message saying like, Oh, there's a, an emergency of people with lightheadedness and they all have like light bulbs for heads. And then it's like, can you, can you exactly, can you, uh, do you think that your hospital would be able to take this on? And, and you know, and it's like risk versus rewards sort of thing. So it's, it's really addictive. They have all these like little scenario levels and, you know, you try to get as many stars for each level as you can. Okay. All right. Nice. You know, so like, 
and I say this every episode that like, I really need to get into more of the smaller indie games because as I you know try to be a proper present father, I don't have time for the large epic RPGs. And I say this as Ghost of Tsushima was just released yesterday. Right. I really want to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I feel you. It's, it's hard. Like I haven't touched Animal Crossing in two weeks and I feel like my entire village is under fire. <laughs> so all right the only like real mmo persistent game that i have experience with is destiny and i mean it has this campaign it has this ongoing story it has the optional missions and raids and stuff that you can do what is animal crossing what is animal crossing yes. so for um i mean you you know what it is but you want like, is there a campaign? Is there a story? Is there an end? Or is it just perpetually creating and growing a, like a well, village? Well, basically, I think Animal Crossing came out at the perfect time because during a pandemic where no one was able to go outside, everyone was able to do <laughs> chores digitally. Because that's what it is. It's digital chores. You're deleting your island, you know, you're watering plants, you're chopping trees, you're building furniture. And it's just addictive just to constantly, you know, collect these resources which are time um they, they take up so much time to do these things and like you know they take up inventory space so you're constantly running back and forth to get this stuff it's very similar to harvest moon have you ever played harvest moon no i haven't played a nintendo title and i'm looking at the my calendar on my computer has it been 20 years since I've oh, actually wow. played a Nintendo game. See, I love I love Nintendo releases. I'm more of a Nintendo nerd than I am like a, a PlayStation or Xbox nerd. Mm -hmm. I just saw the um what was it was it yesterday that they did a um release of all the games that are coming on the PS5 and I was like, "Meh. I don't know. Maybe." Yeah. <laughs> it's but, but like and that's what's wonderful about Say that again. Resident Evil looked good, and so did uh, the re-release of Demon Souls. Oh, oh yeah, it looked really pretty. But like, that's the thing about like the gaming community and like the gaming scene. There's something for all interest levels, okay. and for like the more hardcore, more intense gamers, uh, consoles have some amazing titles. PC is just on another level. Always will be. That's just kind yeah. of understood. But there's something to be said about just sitting down and being entertained and enjoying yourself. Yeah, All right? absolutely. Yeah, there's 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 a category for everyone. And if doing cute vegetable chores, because I guess turnips are a big thing in is it Animal Crossing? Yeah, turnips are stock. It's it's basically stock. Like you buy turnips <laughs> on Sunday. You can only buy them on Sunday and it has to be before 12 o'clock. And Anthony, I would set an alarm so that I would not – because one day I actually slept past noon and I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. I forgot to buy turnips. Oh my god. What am I going to do? <laughs> And then throughout the week, you know, the uh, Tim and Tommy, uh, these little uh, raccoons, they they will buy them from you and the price goes up or down, you know, so it's 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 gambling. But um, it's, it's so different. It's so that's, different. Oh, that's so fantastic. OK, so uh, little Jimmy and Lewis are learning about the stock markets and uh, price fluctuations. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll mention this to you also. Have you been following the new Intellivision 
Amico. So the guy's name is Tommy Tallarico. He uh, is a video game composer. He's been doing this touring concert thing called Video Games Live, where he like rearranges video game music into full orchestral pieces. Oh, oh, it's so good. I've been able to see him twice. And he is now the CEO of Intellivision. And he is in the process of bringing back the old Amica, like the old school, like Pong, the uh, Dirt oh, Rally oh, Racer. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it took Moon me Yes. Yeah. He's bringing all that back with updated graphics. And the controller is super simple. It's like it's got like a button and like a dial on it. And like that's yeah. about it. But they're kind of like updated graphics and they're just fun, simple games. And everything is designed to be simple and couch co-op playable. Like that's that's the thing for it. And it just looks so much fun. It looks so great. That sounds really fun. I remember having a Commodore 64. Oh yes, you're <laughs> old mean, like it's, me. That's basically like that's basically a, a computer, but I mean the Amico was like yeah, it was a little bit more simple, like an Atari. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's let's talk cool. about why you're on here. What is your day job title? So my day job title is manager for global visual merchandising within the creative department for Lemaire which is a brand underneath the umbrella of Estee Lauder companies. So you're fully engrossed in the corporate bureaucracy. Exactly. And in beauty, no less, which is, has gotten recently a huge backlash, backlash uh, for um, inclusivity for the Black Lives Matter movement for representation. Okay. Yeah. So what's going on with that? Well, there has not been a lot of representation in beauty for um, people of color and for also transgender and LGBT um, representation. Okay. There's been a lot of um, backlash for that, a lot of um, cancel culture resulting mm-hmm. in that. Um, so there, the, especially um, my company, not item get, but... Um, Estee Lauder company has been doing a lot of like uh, donation matching of up to five times. And then like they're donating. Um, I think they said that they were donating like 1 million or something like that. And they're trying to do all these other efforts to make sure that they have uh, representation. So they're, they're, they're reactionary right now. Um, okay. Yeah. So, well, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. This is, um, cool. yeah, it's, it's definitely better than nothing. So, how do you think we might be able to resolve this? Like what, what are some techniques or avenues that we could pursue to increase the amount of inclusivity? That's a good question. Um, and then as far as beauty, it's, it's something I have to leave up to the corporate bigwigs. I think what it is is that they just really need to include it, it really bump up their diversity in um, who they hire because I think that's one of the big things. All right, so so what do you do for them? So it's in the beauty area. Yeah, so yeah, so go it, go into what you do. Yes, yeah, so it's in beauty, and what I do, I'm a visual merchandising manager for the for corporate, basically. So what I do is that I design um, window displays, on counter display units, um, uh, test really? designs. I design events, and then I put the guidelines together, and all of this gets released out 
to our regional partners, you know, like in Asia, in China, in Paris, in Germany, uh, North America. And then from there, they implement um, these designs into their stores locally with local relevancy. Like if they have to, you know, uh, update the, co the copy or the text so that it, you know, it's in their language or, you know, maybe they don't use a certain um, color shade or they don't have a product. But I basically design all these units for them. Okay. So you mentioned a countertop uh, display? Yes. So that'd be something that if I was to be walking through, let's say, a department store and there's the little displays that are up on like the... I'm envisioning the ads that are set atop the glass cases in like the cosmetics type area. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Okay. It's like when you see when there's like, a, um, say you're walking in like to the fragrance department, you know how like a bottle is always sitting on some sort of like L shaped unit. And there's like little mm -hmm. props and things in there. That, that, that's the sort of stuff that I would design. Or if you're okay. like walking by a window and you know, there's, you know, beauty products that are, you know, uh, composed in a repetition, like you see, like, you know, 30, you know, uh, La Mer creme jars, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm the one that does that. I'm going to pretend I know what that means. <laughs> it's my, my, my cigar, yeah. Okay. So are there like do's and don'ts of window displays? Oh my God, it's insane. It changes every day too. Oh, uh, it really does change. It re it's really based on that market and like it, you know, it's based on their budgets. It's based on their local relevancy. Uh, it's based on it retailers too. So like the, um, so say if their store, their store window is inside a mall, they have to actually buy for time in that space from other uh, competing brands. Oh, I believe that because so I'm thinking of our own local shopping malls. And as far as window displays are concerned, the percent or the total square footage of window display available, as opposed to the total like area of the store itself, it's got to be really small because I'm thinking of like a Macy's or something. And there's not much really window space uh, available by comparison of like the total footprint of the store. Right. So I can only imagine like how much competition there would be for this brand to get out, even the smallest little shelf or little corner in there. Right. Exactly. But I would say that the biggest do is sustainability. That's what we're constantly being asked to provide is sustainable options in design. And many designers out there, will laugh and they'll say sustainability design is an oxymoron and doesn't exist because design kind of creates garbage, you know? So okay. <laughs> we design things that get tossed. Oh, um, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. But I was going to say there's absolutely sustainable design that that is totally a thing. Yeah. And that's just not me being the, you know, aspiring tree hugger type of thing, but like, the, <laughs> no, the, you can do that. It, that probably wouldn't be your department, though, as far as like what material to make the bottles out of or something like that. Right? Well, not not, to, not for the product, but say if I wanted to design something that has, I don't know, let, let's just make something up. Like there's trees, no there's like trees in there, you know, like, all right, well, what are the trees going to be made out of? Is, is it like, you know, uh, recycled, printed cardboard, or, you know, and like, and then does it get, you know, do we put in a guideline statement that says, make sure that this gets recycled with the right vendor, you know, so we do have to like make sure everything that we put in the outside of the product 
you know, like if we put, yeah, like if there's so like this, acrylic in there, we have to make sure is this post-consumer acrylic or. So do you spend a lot of time working with the supply chain to determine what type of material the displays will be or the components of the display will be made out of? We do spend a lot of time working with and sourcing uh, vendors that uh, the local markets can produce locally because I don't work with a vendor to have them produced here and then it gets shipped out. Everything, mm -hmm. we send out the designs and instructions and construction drawings and then from there, we also recommend, oh, okay, you know, this is a vendor that we found that works globally, you know, and this is a vendor that's like kind of in your area, you know, and they use sustainable materials, you know, work with them, you know. Okay. Oh, that's really interesting. So you start to get in contact uh, with the like fabrication vendors yeah. who will be able to make the components for the display. Yes. And it's what's really great about all this is that it's, it's given me so much um, – practice when i started to move into doing my side business okay because like dealing with all these vendors working with global distribution and that sort of thing really helped me learn like the ins and outs of owning a business so let's transition into that your side gig is called item get correct yes item get and what exactly is item get so item get um it was born of a love of geek pop culture and a personal desire for a creative outlet outside of my day job. And it started where um, I created these musical chests that played that familiar chime from whenever Link from Legend of Zelda opened up a treasure chest, you know, that da-da-da-da. Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, very much so. Yes. Um, I actually learned that that's a trope known as item get which is where the name for my brand came from. And the type of merch that I create um, is clothing, like t-shirts, pins, jewelry, dice bags, dice towers, coasters, flasks, uh, candles I'm getting into now, masks I just recently got into. I provide a lot of engraving services and prototyping and design services. Um, I, I just recently, well, not recently, but last year, I purchased a laser bed and so I do a lot of engraving. I do a lot of like um, wood, acrylic, uh, glass, you know, textile cutting. So I do a lot of a little bit more intricate things now. Um, and I've worked with some vendors to like create their own things with them. Like I work for this one uh, beekeeper in Connecticut and I make all of his candles, his honey spoons, his uh, lip balms. and Really? Yeah. Now actually we're, re we're going into making um, a kid's puzzle. Yay! Yeah, yeah. It teaches them teaches them about how to how um, beekeeping. They teach you know uh, you know save the bees sort of, mm. sort of thing. So we're working on that. You know, I can't believe we're still talking about save the bees. <laughs> like of all the memes and all the jokes that were like, hey, if we don't have bees, we don't have you know food. Exactly. <laughs> like, guys, get, it's true. Come on. I know. <laughs> like oh, but, but, anyway, but. Oh, very nice. So, so let's talk about a few of your products. Was there a handful of your like? If I was to come up to your booth at a con, what type of stuff would I see? Well, first, 
I miss being at a convention. I just, I just have to say that. Yeah, we'll we'll I, talk about that a little bit later. Okay, yeah, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But so yeah. if you came up, if you came up to my booth at a convention, you there's something for everyone. Every sort of because it's it. I do everything that runs the gamut of the geek pop culture. So that includes video games, that includes comics, that includes manga, anime, uh, uh, movies. You know. Uh, books you know I, I try to do something for everything so i would have like you know um what's really popular at the cons are my pins because i do a lot of custom pins especially for like smash bros so i've done every single smash bros icon and um people love it it's, it's made out of mirrored acrylic and they look beautiful because they're always under the convention lighting so they're always shining glitzy and everyone comes over and takes a look and nice, then maybe, nice. and maybe next to that you'll see some dice towers um which is a dice randomizer you know it mm-hmm. you know you roll this in this little wooden thing and then it, you know makes this beautiful sound and has a little yeah, yeah i actually had to give ask you like what is the purpose of these dice tower like why <laughs> do i need one what why am i required because i have not played a tabletop rpg and again looking at my calendar oh, about 20 years <laughs> it's been the last time i played so it's, 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 it's a physical RNG, a random number generator. So mm-hmm. it helps to make sure that you're getting the best randomized role that you can. And it also helps limit possible cheating. Not saying people are cheating, but it can happen where it's like, oh, I need to roll at least a 15 to make sure that this hits. And then they kind of just drop it down, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, you didn't really roll, you know. Uh, okay, sure. And also it's a, roll, sure. <laughs> it's a cathartic sound because dice rolling against this chamber of wooden slats and then falling onto a tray of red felt, it just sounds so nice. Mm-hmm. And people come by all the time and they just want to roll it. Like, especially kids. Kids love to come by and they like to just oh, really? roll them down and see what numbers they get. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely um, an actionable moment at my booth. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm on your webpage right now taking a look at some of the stuff. Yeah, th- yeah, that just looks fun. And the one you have shown, I don't know if you have multiple designs because that looks like it was laser etched. Yep. Uh, it looks like a a drop gate from a castle yeah a portcullis is what it, what they're known as yeah it's like the front gate of a castle yeah so it's basically mm. the the mouth of where the dice come out of so it was kind of neat little thing mm-hmm. um, and because i own you know my own laser bed i customize all these things i had some a uh, customer come up once and she was having a wedding and she wanted to give, and they were really into Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to make um, one of those for each of their um, tables, like as a, almost as a, uh, what do you call it, as a favor. Mm-hmm. So we did like 60 of them and she had like okay. their different, wow. um, they had like, I think it was their, this was a while ago, it was their name and like, it was their, both, both their names, you know, and it was like commemorative. Mm-hmm. So I, I was getting ready for you yeah. to say like it would be their bridal party gift, like the groomsman's gift or something. Like, and you and you made like ten of them or something like that. Yeah. No, you made one for all the tables. Yeah. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, it, it I was. would I would love it personally if I was to go to someone's wedding and there was a a dice tower set in the middle yeah. of the table. 
see that's, that's so fun that's my thing too is that because i've seen so much at conventions everyone's like resell i see a lot of resell like pop figures and you know those uh <sighs> grab boxes and i just get like i get so crestfallen when i see this and i'm like i I, I like to offer something original, handcrafted, you know, it's made well, it's customizable, you know, you can, it can become an heirloom at that point. Or, oh, you know, like, and I, all right, so th th this is a different aspect of the cons. We could talk about that right now because I love to see handcrafted stuff at cons. If I am doing my little tour, looking for vendors to interview for the podcast or, you know, looking to network with different vendors or, you know, people in the community. If I walk by and even if you have a double or triple booth set up and it's just a wall of pop figures, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even saying hi. Like I'm just not even saying hi because I mean, I get it. If it sells, it sells, and we're all here to make money. I get it. Business is business. But that tells me that there, you don't have an interesting story to tell me. And that, you know, okay, you're, you're selling pops. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I got to say, there's a lot of stuff at your booth that I don't see at other booths. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I'm also looking right now and – when you see it laid out in display, it just seems like such an obvious gift set that you would find somewhere. But it's all of the rings from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah, the co the coaster set there. Yeah. It's the coaster set. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this. I'm like, why is Lewis the only person that I know that is selling these or making these? Because it's, it's just right there. And you have all of them. Well, okay. Can I... If I click on it, will it give me the full? Yeah, it should give you the full. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at it right now. So, you know, seven rings for the dwarf lords in the halls of stone and three for the uh, – my nerd is in question right now. So, oh, wait, I can <laughs> enlarge it. There we go. <laughs> three for the elven kings under the sky. Yeah, I mean that's – why is no one else doing that? But good for you <laughs> for being able to explain that. Uh, I think probably because they take a long time to make. Uh, yeah, I am looking at them right now, and there's a lot of thin little lines yes. around the edge. And but you know what though, it's worth it. And I, I mean, and that's such. I mean, thirty dollars for a set of four wood coasters might seem a lot, but then when it's something that you know is handcrafted, it takes a long time to make, and you, you can't get this anywhere else. You know, there's something about that. Yeah, and. These are not cheap woods. I'm looking at the the set, either cherry, walnut, or maple. Like this, exactly. Th these these aren't the scrap, you know, kind of wood pressed together with glue type of stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, you're you're gonna get what you pay for. So, how long have you been doing this? So, I've been doing this since 2017. Okay. And like I said, I first started um, with these like craft um treasure boxes that i would stain and then i lined with felt and then i created a false bottom that had a sound card with a um a uh activator on it mm -hmm. so whenever you open the box the light would activate the sound the da 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 and i was selling those and like i think a couple shirts and um i went to 
one convention that one year and I fell in love with the con scene. I loved, I mean, I've gone to comic cons before and other conventions as an attendee, but being a exhibitor and oh, it's so much fun, isn't it? And someone like me that like, I thrive on the, just talking to people. And mm-hmm. so like, I'll literally, I won't eat an entire weekend just because I'm just like, literally, I don't have the time and I'm just feeding off the energy of other people when they come over and they want to talk. And what I love the most is when people come over, they talk and they want to talk. They're like, oh, this is really cool. I see this, um, this dice bag that you have here. I play D and D and I'm like, oh, well, you know, what's your character? Are you a DM? Are you a player? So like I get in these long conversations with people. Um, and then it's great because usually at the end they're like, oh, I'm going to drop $75. And I'm like, <laughs> but I mean, like and then, uh, and then I see them again. Usually like I get, I get quite a following of people, that um, are like, oh, I remember you, and like, yeah, you sold me this, and I love it, or like, my son loves it, or my my girlfriend loves it, you know. And then they're bad. they're like, what do you got new? What's new, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, I I love the convention scene. I sincerely hope you're enjoying this episode of Video Game Crosstalk. If you would like to help support the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash vgxtpod. Even as little as $1 per month will help covering the cost of web hosting and other associated overhead of being a content creator, and you will gain access to other bonus content, such as video shorts and extra podcast audio. Once again, visit patreon.com slash vgxtpod and become a patron today. So let's move on to some science and geekery. Yeah. Yeah. Got a, got a couple headlines here. We're going to kind of comb it down a little bit. Uh, the first one, though, I really want to talk about, and it's the Apple Glass. So now Apple is getting into the wearable scene. And the details leaked. Now, as I mentioned, it's been a while since I've put out an episode, and we both had schedule complications. So some of this stuff is kind of old that I have here. But it's worth discussing because we are like, once again, a company's trying to get into the wearable scene. But Apple's doing it now, and it looks like they're beginning to figure some stuff out. Were you able to get a good look at this article? Yeah, so it's interesting to me because... Apple has been, and I'll probably get some flack for this, but I have always felt that Apple has not been innovative, but they've just been, let's see what everyone else does with things and let's let them do the research and development. And then when they fail, we'll pick it up and you know, that way we don't have to do all that research. And then we can just put our own spin on it because we can make our own QR code now. So, yeah. uh, well- well, you know what? As an Android user for my phone, that's exactly what Apple does. Yeah, <laughs> because every absolutely. time the iPhone comes out with new features, it's like Android's been doing that for the past two years. Yeah. Well, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the game, guys. But I this mean, looks- they Go they got me, Anthony, because I'm talking to you on a MacBook Pro. I'm checking my iPhone, <laughs> and, and I have like my Square app on my iPad that I use as my register. So they got me. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> you can complain all you yeah. want, dance monkey, because <laughs> you're gonna keep buying our stuff. But what's really cool about this is that it says that it can actually work with prescription glasses. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, feature. So I didn't see how um, was it. Uh, it it ad- 
does the glass itself adjust or is it well worn over your prescription glasses? Yeah, we're going to we're going to have to wait and see how this all shakes out. Yeah. I've got the uh, I've got the article posted in the show notes, so that'll be shared with everyone. But it's really interesting to see because if we can get these on normal looking glasses, as much as I love the, you know, futuristic hollow visor thing that the Google Glass was. When you're wearing one of those, it's blatantly obvious, yes, I'm wearing a wearable technology. Like, I'm wearing a Google Glass right now. It's because no one's glasses look like this. Exactly. But with this, it might actually come into play. The only things that I'm still concerned about are is battery life. And I'm scanning through the article right now. I don't see anything that really addresses battery life. So one thing that I think that they are doing better than the Google Glass is that they're actually doing – they're trying to make the iPhone do most of the processing. There you go. So it's taking a lot of the power suck from the glass itself and a lot of the bulkiness from it too. So that way they can probably make it look less like you know a visor or you know Mm – all right, so it's more like pairing it up, and the the Apple Glass is that what we're calling? It? Yeah, Apple Glass is more of a display rather than the actual uh, device itself. Right. It's more like a peripheral. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm excited to see where this is going, but like, I'm. I'll keep an an eye up. Mm-hmm. An eye out for it, you know. Um, I mean, it could be interesting as a wearable um, for, like, say, like in our current climate. You know, like um, I've gone to a lot of protests and things like that. So it would be great to, you know, just be able to easily, you know, snap, you know, turn it on, mm-hmm. you know, and you're recording everything. And uh, I think that would be a great mm-hmm. to have this for. Well, the picture that they have up at the top is. Uh, GPS and turn-by-turn directions. And this is something I've kind of like pondered to myself while driving is that, you know, I, I've got this big chunk of glass in front of me as my windshield. From where I'm sitting, I can see the road and the turns and all that good stuff. And in other games, with more modern games, if you turn on like the directions, like take me to this waypoint type of thing, the game is smart enough to know where the roads are. Mm-hmm. And create like right. its own turn by turn directions. And like we have, you know, maps uploaded to the cloud. Like we have that. So we have the layout of our towns and cities and roads. We know what angle the individual is viewing the street at. I mean, how far of a leap is it to kind of angle and put into perspective what that line would be based on my position, you know, in the city. Like, is that too far of a stretch? Is it possible? Cause it looks like we might be getting into that. And that I think would be, you know, interesting at least is, you know, at least a starting point. Yeah. I think that could be pretty interesting, you know, as a wayfinding Oracle that makes it a lot easier than having to, you know, you know, be looking at your phone the entire time, you know, maybe this, maybe the Apple Glass is a way to keep people's heads up. Mm-hmm. I guess. 
I don't, that would be yeah. that would be appreciated. Yeah, <laughs> that would be appreciated. I I, was, I almost hit someone today because he wasn't paying attention because his face was in his phone. Um, <sighs> he just wasn't paying attention. Come on, people! It's a cliche at this point. <laughs> it's an old beaten yeah. cliche at this exactly. point. Get, come on, guys. Uh, other gaming news, and you know, right now it's just a lot of the COVID, and things are getting pushed out. And right now, I mean, I have two games that have experienced delays recently, and like, there's just nothing we can do about it at this point. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it, as a Nintendo fan, I kind of doubt you're looking into this one all that much, but I mean, if you haven't heard of Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, you're you just don't pay attention to games at all. Please tell me you've heard of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. You're killing me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me. I'm sorry. That's it. This episode's over. <laughs> okay, so you know what? There's a place for everyone in the gaming community. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen, Anthony. Okay, so I'll give you the I'll, of games. <laughs> okay. I'll give you the quick rundown. Have you? Heard oh, okay. Of the Wait, no, I've seen something because I remember seeing you know the Keanu Reeves CGI yes. brought in. I yeah. Okay. All right. I don't have to end the episode early. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is made by the same people who made Witcher, the Witcher yes. series. This thing's going to be huge. And, like, yeah, the game's been pushed back already because the studio is like, listen, it'll, I mean, even in some of their earlier promotional material, they would give a new teaser trailer and say, you know, due out or to be released when it's ready. Like, that was literally part of their advertising, that we will put it out when it's ready. And they've pushed it back twice already. And they're pushing it back again. And the general consensus from the community is like, rage, rage, profanity, profanity. Okay, we understand. So has, like, you personally, I mean, with item get, outside of doing cons, are you still getting a lot of online orders? See, that's the thing is that I had to, I was doing most of my business at a convention and then my my um my website which i just recently made live because i was using etsy as a supplemental for okay. like you know like if i had like if i ran out of stock or something i would direct you know con goers to that but um yeah the co conventions were the best way for me to sell um mm -hmm. but i recently because of covid i've actually had to like really push digital first activations and outreach so you know i went and i purchased my website i'm trying to transfer everything to that that's why you might look at it right now um at shopitemget.com you're probably not going to see everything that i that i offer but i'm trying to put stuff up there uh two weeks before i moved i was putting up an item a day you know try, just trying to really get in there and like it's a full-time job to, oh, yeah. to run a website to make sure everything you know has the correct seo tags and you know uh, make sure that you're posting to social and make sure you're posting at the right times and tagging the right things and instagram twitter facebook you know you name it it's it's a full-time job just to do that on top of my full-time job you know so yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then i have to 
and then I actually have to handcraft these things too. So it's like, it's like, where does my time carve out? You know, and then I need to play games. So, <laughs> you know, like that, that's like the biggest challenge for me with this podcast and my some of the YouTube videos I've been putting out recently. Uh, I actually have another set of lore videos that will be out. I'll probably push one, push one out like once a week to kind of space it out. But like doing the social media outreach and being present online, I, that's what I have the biggest difficulty with. Uh, it's been super frustrating at times for me because I'll you know, try to be a part of the community every once in a while. Some of my content is like objectively, demonstratively higher quality than some of these other channels and outlets. But guess who has a better following? <laughs> <laughs> I like, no, don't want to be a jerk, but man, I'm like, I can hear the hiss in the background. You should have edited that out. That should have been blended properly. This volume level was too high. I saw a little bit of clipping over here. Uh, and I'm a member of uh, a professional society called Toastmasters, which specializes in leadership through public speaking, more or less. And I start critiquing people's like speech patterns uh, and the use of crutch words and a bunch of other things. But guess who has several thousand followers and I don't even have a thousand. So I mean, it's very possible that those followers are robots, you know, I mean, you can pay for followers, but what you can't pay for is actions. That is very true. I I don't have a lot of followers for item get, and it's and like I see um, other people that do have a lot of followers, and you know they, you know, equally don't have the same amount of quality and standards that you or I put to our crafts. Um, so it it can be very infuriating at times, but at the same time, I know that the followers that I do have. That you know they they like they react they comment you know so they're actionable. Um, you know, and I think that quant, quant, quantity over quality, yeah. or quality over quantity. I was I was gonna say flip that, <laughs> yeah, but that's actually something that a lot of people when they're talking about brand development they will actually stress. While having a huge following is fantastic, what really makes a difference is you know, interaction and uh, yeah, action. I'm losing the word right now. Right after I just said I'm a member of a professional society for communicators, losing of the word at this point. But having likes, having comments, having conversations on your posts definitely is more valuable than just having a high uh, follower count. It's a tough thing to do. I definitely value the impressions and the interactions i do have a core group of people a core group of friends and fans that will comment and like and fairly consistently and those people are awesome thank you so much guys we love our fans absolutely but uh and we have one little bit for the capital region unlocked section and unfortunately it's just more covid stuff it's Games are getting delayed, and this uh, harkens back to going to cons. The Hudson Valley Gamer Con, which is supposed to be a huge esports tournament, that is going, it looks full virtual at this point. Uh, 
Details are still kind of up in the air about exactly how it's going to go down, but they had some virtual tournaments that were going to take place, and those are still on. But as far as the rest of the tournaments are concerned, kind of up in the air, and looks like they're going to shore up plans in a few weeks. So, ah, but I will say this. They intend to reconvene next April. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully by April, things will be under control. Yeah, let's let's hope. Um, the Every convention that I had paid for for this year has been canceled or postponed, um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, but I get it. We're, you know, we're all in this together. We're all losing money together. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, some have been some organizers have been really good about you know hey if you're going to keep you know your spot with us and not ask for a refund you know we'll have something special for you like you know either we'll give you you know early bird you know choice on your you know booth location or you know we'll give you an extra exhibitor pass to have another person with you or you know they've been trying to do stuff like that um some have just been like well we canceled here's your money back um which is understandable also because yeah. it's like, you know, the man, talking to a couple of the organizers for the Empire State Game Expo, super great guys. And in talking to them as they were getting it going, I got a little bit of an insight of what it's like kind of behind the scenes and organizing. It's a lot of work to put on a proper convention and it's expensive. It is really expensive if you're going to have it in a place like, say, the Capitol Center in Albany. Yeah, absolutely. especially because when it comes down to even just the insurance um, is, is astronomical. Some of them require um, a million or more multiple million um, policies, million dollar policy. It's, it's insane. Um, and then even for the vendors, you know, we have to pay for this stuff well in advance. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a domino effect. Like, um, I've, I've had to pay for some things like, you know, I'll have my credit card racked up to like six, seven, eight, almost 10,000, you know, nine months before things are headed out. So it's like I'm paying interest on these things. And then when it gets canceled, I, I still paid that interest, you know. So it's mm-hmm. so, and, and the ones that I'm keeping you know, that I'm keeping on, uh, till next year. I was like, so you basically just got like a two year early bird, you know, uh, loan, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's definitely, it's definitely tough for everyone, for vendors, for organizers. It's, it's tough for, um, you know, the attendees because, you know, it's, it's such a community, these conventions. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it, so it's good to hear that the organizers are trying to work with you, though. Some uh, so, if, well, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, uh, the organizers I've been working with so far, it's been <clears throat> either well, because one of them, all I did was get get press pass. So it's like, all right, you can have your zero dollars back. Woohoo! <laughs> but um. Where I've had vendor space or sponsorship, it's basically been just like, hey, we're going to carry it over to the next event next year. Exactly. So, all right, I can handle that. For the virtual conventions, though, I have not really found any of them to be successful um, 
or at least for vendors like me who create tangible physical objects. Um, yeah. So that has been very difficult for me. I've tried to kind of tune in to a few of the virtual cons, but it's too much just watching TV for me. Yeah, I you know what it is—a convention. You know, people. You know, you're going somewhere, and like I, you know, you get there's a lot of impulse purchasing. There's a lot of you know excitement from that, and that's where I get a lot of excitement because it's it's hard. People don't know what they want until they see it, and mm -hmm. they're not going to search for it because they don't know it exists. And so a lot of times at a convention, you know, you're a salesman, you know, you have to pitch and you have to, you have to show like, oh, this is exciting. Or, oh, I see you're wearing a Legend of Zelda shirt. I have Legend of Zelda stuff. Come look, this is. These are oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, you, it, it's almost like, <laughs> it, it's, it's like I'm a pop-up ad, but in real life, it's. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and I love taking pictures of all the cosplayers. Yes. And at a virtual con, you're just going to get those who are like entering the virtual cosplay contest. Yeah. But there are others that, I mean, I've been to some cons where just the local ones, I've seen some amazing cosplays, but <clears throat> Some of them who are at like the really top tier level, they don't even bother entering the cosplay contest because like either is that's just not their scene or it's like I've won cosplay contests at larger cons. I'm going to let someone else kind of have a go at it this year yeah. or, you know, I've been competing in these for years. I just don't feel like competing this time. And at a virtual kind, you're just not going to see those people. So it's, and again, going back to where you're saying, it's a physical experience to be around everyone and everything. So it's, I applaud people who are trying to make these virtual cons happen. It It, it isn't working for me personally, yeah. which is really sad and unfortunate. Yeah, I haven't heard too much in any sort of... Uh... Uh, social channel like if it has been doing really well uh, for people um, but it does sound like to me like even like the panels it sounds like it's yeah it's like it's like watching TV um, I mean at least they're trying they're trying to do something but um, I don't know it's just it's it just doesn't it, it's not the same and I sound like okay boomer but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know what well I think we can agree that everyone within the gamer geek community definitely looking forward to the reopening of cons but <clears throat> the whole idea of the con cough or the con plague con that's a real thing con crud yes yeah that's a real thing so here's something do you expect to see people wearing masks at the next cons and do you see that as like a lasting effect moving forward 100%. I definitely okay. believe that masks and PPE, personal protective equipment, will definitely be some a new norm for our society, especially with the younger generation. I really do feel because it's another way of um, of self identification, of mm -hmm. self representation. You know, it's an accessory, and also it helps protect you. Um, even like I, I would definitely wear it, you know, going forward, even if like, you know, post COVID, you know, years from now, I would probably still wear it. Um, cause that's what I'm thinking. Like 
it would definitely help if I, in those contains, you know, venues where there's hundreds, thousands of people and like, you know, and I'm, you know, you're talking with everyone, you're shaking hands, you know, all that sort of thing, you know, I mean, well, why not? and like, I've heard a bunch of like celebrities and executives and like management seminars and stuff. They will talk about washing their hands constantly as they're going to conventions and business travel and stuff like that because they're meeting and shaking hands with so many people. Uh, I think Alton Brown, the celebrity chef, love uh, him. Did yeah, right. He's like, yes, I wash my hands all the time when I'm on the road and doing shows. Why? Because I am meeting hundreds and thousands of people and shaking hands and making business deals. I wash my hands constantly. And to your point, how it's another form of self-expression and it's a new accessory. If I had the time, I would have made this amazing, like five things I would love to see in a post COVID world YouTube video. But you know, I try to be a present father as much as I can. So please, I'm right there with you. Now that we've seen it, now that it's part of our day-to-day routine, I can totally see people normalizing it and vendors making their own specialty stuff. I mean, obviously, sports brands are going to business as much as they can. You know, get your you know, New York Giants, get your Seattle, whoever, uh, face masks because, hey, it's PPE. And you get to rep your team at the same time. So is that going to happen in the geek world? Of course it is. And the cosplayers and crafters are the first people to bring that up or take up that mantle. Yeah, absolutely. I've already seen like Animal Crossing um, uh, masks. I've seen um, LGBT masks and things like that. The only thing I will say is that I I hesitated for the longest time of creating masks because I felt like there was a, I felt like there was some sort of level of profiteering from a tragedy, and I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be known as someone exploiting that. So for the longest time, I was really against it. And then, especially in the month of June, where we had Black Lives Matter movements where, uh, and protests, where we had uh, Pride rallies and uh, protests, and I saw um, these companies were producing shirts and headgear and masks and things like that but then when i would look i was like are you donating any of this up and then you would find out no um during the black lighter black lives matters movement i created um engraved pins and all of the proceeds i was donating to um black lives matters charities like 100 percent, the entire thing was going to that because i just felt like i needed to do something to help counteract those other businesses that are aren't acting in the best interests of these movements that we really shouldn't be exploiting them completely agree with you audible.com is giving listeners of this podcast an opportunity to check out their service by offering a free audiobook download to start off a free 30-day trial all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash VGXTPod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as The Way of Kings, Book One of the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Roshar is a world of stone and storms, 
uncanny tempests of incredible power sweep across the rocky terrain so frequently that they have shaped ecology and civilization alike. Animals hide in shells, trees pull in branches, and grass retracts into soilless ground. Cities are built only where the topography offers shelter. Across the ocean, an untried young woman named Shallon seeks to train under the eminent scholar and notorious heretic, Delinar's niece, Jasnar. Though she genuinely loves learning, Shallon's motives are less than pure. As she plans a daring theft, her research for Jasna hints at secrets of the night's radiant and the true cause of the war. Once again, go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod to start your free trial. So we're going to move on to the final segment of the show. This is time for the final five. These are five questions to wrap up the show. These questions range from irrelevant to irreverent. The first two are always the same, and the last three have a theme. Here we go. Question number one. Coffee or tea? Coffee, black, iced. I've been drinking a lot of iced coffee recently. I normally don't, but these days have been getting hot. I'm looking. So it's nine o'clock and at night right now. if it's cold, now. Blue, it's better. Yes. But I'm just saying it's nine o'clock at night right now, and it is still 80 degrees yeah. where I am. <laughs> That's yucky. Yeah. And we do not have dry heat in the Northeast. No, we do not. <laughs> it's yucky. So I've been drinking a lot of iced coffee recently. So I'm with you on that. So we've talked about video games a bit do you play any tabletop games how much time do you have (laughs) (laughs) so that's a yes (laughs) love tabletop games i mean dungeons and dragons obviously is number one but um uh recently i've been playing a lot of seven wonders uh with my oh nice they love that game seven wonders there's this game called unfair and again, okay. another tycoon game. You're seeing a pattern here with me. Uh, <laughs> you're basically an amusement park uh, entrepreneur, and you're trying to build a, a theme park, but you have your competitors that are building a theme park, so you can sort of sabotage them. It's, okay. a, it's a card game, but you have like a board that you place cards on and stuff like that. Um, but that, that one's definitely really fun. Um, and I, right. I have a few other games that I have not opened up yet. They're collecting dust, and I'm just waiting to, to bust them out because I haven't had a game night since, you know, what, February. <sighs> so but, uh, there's another couple that we have our game night with, and we've started moving into a lot of the legacy games. Yes. And we've done Pandemic Seasons 1 and 2. Oh, wow. That's where you uh, rip up the cards and all that, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh, it's great. <laughs> uh, we How do you play feel about that? Do you like ripping them up? Oh, well, we actually save them all. Oh, so you <laughs> we kind of put it. them. We put them into like a little baggie that says trash. But at the same time, like once you play the game, like half the fun of the game is finding out and being surprised of what comes next. Yeah. So once you play it, it's like all right. Well, that's that type of thing. Yeah. So. Um, and, and most recently we've started giving all the trashed cards to my three-year-old for him to play with. So they're essentially torn apart. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have been playing clank, but there is the penny arcade version of it. Interesting. 
I have not it, played Clank. I know of it. I have not mm-hmm. had the opportunity to play it yet. I've I've heard great stuff about it. Oh, it, yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun, but the the Penny Arcade Legacy version of it introduces all the Penny Arcade humor, and everything is like it's as if you are in the corporate bureaucracy as a fantasy adventurer. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's hysterical. All right, last three questions. And this is a play on your shop's name, Item Get. So these are all going to deal with items. So question number three, what game has the worst inventory management system? Oh, Animal Crossing, by far. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow, that was quick. It is, it is one of the most annoying things I've, I've ever experienced. Okay, because... I have here in my notes Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo. Okay. <laughs> yes, but no, Animal Crossing beats it uh, because you can't – a lot of things don't stack. Um, your inventory isn't linked up with, like, your little workshop that uses those resources. Oh, no. You have to constantly oh, go in and pull things out. You know, uh, you can't really rearrange everything. You can't filter things. Uh, it's – Oh, it's 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 so annoying. It's it's really at, annoying. At least in Super Mario RPG, you could filter, but nothing stacked. That I remember. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that was painful to work with. Yeah. All right. Question number four: Are you an item hoarder? I am a purger, actually. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's actually really interesting. I love to throw stuff out. I, I love to get rid of things. I, my family, um, they're all predominantly hoarders, not to the point where they're like on the show, but you know, like they're not going to throw, you know, a broken Barbie out because like, you know, someone will play with it, you know, <laughs> or me, I'm just like, get rid of it. If you haven't touched it, you know, Marie Kondo this, you know, just get, rid of it. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I've started getting better past like, five ten years or so i've been getting more and more of a purger as well well as like my life continues to grow and all these kind of side hobbies that i've kind of wanted to pursue in the past never came to fruition and it's like by the time i get to the point where i have time to do any of this i'm not going to be using some third hand materials that i've been holding on to for the past 15 20 years exactly get rid of it if i have time i'll buy something new that's kind of like how i've been rationalized or processing it mentally yeah or or you could just move you'll be you'll be surprised like when you move and you're like i don't want to lug this with me and you'll (laughs) get rid of you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right fifth and final question why did you stop making the treasure chest that plays the item get music? That's a good question. I know it's it was my OD <laughs> item. Um, so at conventions, you know that the organizers love to blast music. Mm, and oh, sometimes yes. you also have vendors that love to blast music at their booths. So I, I, did, I, have not, f- I did not – take that into consideration when i first made that i mean i was a rookie at the time and people couldn't hear the music 
from the chest. I I remember, oh God, it's so embarrassing, but I remember having to be like, oh, you have to put it to your ear. <laughs> oh, so there weren't many sales on it, uh, unfortunately, but then I went to another con so and it was quiet and then they, they heard it and they loved it. But um, no, I, I, after a while, and they're very labor intensive to create. I don't Are know. They? I might get back into it. You know, maybe I'll do a like. You know, I'm I'm coming up to my five year soon, so maybe I'll do like mm. a five year limited run. That would be nice yeah. because I was actually going to buy a few of those as Christmas presents, and I go to your site and I'm like, where did it go? I know it's not on there. <laughs> Limit, limited, uh, limited editions. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. We'll do a limited run. Uh, I actually mentioned this when I had another guest on Motier Haskins talking about different music to play at different events, and. I, I think it was the one that we were both at at the Empire State Comic Con where there was a vendor very close to me who was playing a lot of 90s hip hop. Yes. And being the, yeah, being the old man that I am, I'm like, yeah, this is my jam, this is my jam. He started playing some unedited DMX. I, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, <laughs> I don't mind, but. Mm. <laughs> And he did it on Kids Day. Yeah, yeah, right. But like, there were definitely a bunch of kids around. But I'm like, dude, this is ooh, <laughs> DMX ain't subtle, brother. <laughs> yeah. um, was that not to not to reminisce? But was that when they had Bill England? Yes, yes, I remember that. Um, because there they had his booth towards the back, and they were playing horror sounds like ambiance. So the entire weekend was just shrill screaming. <laughs> and just horror sounds like horror chords and piano and just you know sh you know people screaming bloody murder and i'm like oh this is wonderful yes <laughs> boy all right we need to wrap this thing up <laughs> <laughs> that is all the time we have for this episode roll the standard end of show plugs you can find the show notes which contain contact links for all topics discussed for this and all previous episodes at videogamecrosstalk.com as well as all the social media contacts and the occasional blog posts. You can follow me around pretty much everywhere at HyperSyntax, H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. And as for my guest, Lewis, where can my beautiful listeners follow you around? So you can follow me on every social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at ShopItemGet. And you can check out my wares on www.shop.com itemget.com and we are going to do a little giveaway yes yes we are okay we're gonna work this out so after the show we're gonna hang around for just a little bit more and talk about how the sandman series is actually going to audiobook very excited ah and to go along with that you actually sell a key to hell is that is that a necklace yes um i do it is a uh black glitter acrylic necklace replica of the key to hell that lucifer gives the sandman in the sandman series all right so we're gonna have a little bit of a giveaway i'll be posting the links for that on the social media and all that good stuff when we get around to it. but yeah be on the lookout for that it'll be your standard you know follow this social media account follow you know, item get because gotta boost them metrics yeah. <laughs> So, speaking of which, please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. And this show can be found on pretty much every podcast listening service. 
podcast audio also gets pushed out to YouTube, and I have another round of Destiny lore videos coming on, so swing on over there to see what I'm able to create. And one last time, thank you for hanging out with us, and Lewis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Anthony. I've had a lot of fun. Awesome. And in the words of Ralph Smedley, understanding comes through communication, and through understanding, we find the way to peace.